0: You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. This is Bible teacher Nelson Walters, the most terrifying, An overlooked end time sign is the hypnotizing voice of the Antichrist. When the Antichrist is mentioned in scripture, nearly every time his voice is mentioned, his voice and what he says are the most recognizable characteristics of the Antichrist. Prophecy also mentions the voice of his sidekick, the false prophet. What they both say and how they say it plays a prominent role in the end times the antichrist's voice will hypnotize and influence those who do not realize the danger and who are not standing guard against its influence now scripture tells us faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of christ romans 10:17 so this idea of a voice and speaking being important shouldn't be thought of as strange faith in god comes from hearing the holy word spoken. And that is an important thing to know, by the way. Uh, it's, It's something very few think about. But if faith in the one true God comes through hearing, then faith in the false God, the Antichrist, will also come through his words and his voice. It's probably the Antichrist's greatest weapon. And for this teaching, let's give a shout out to Jonathan Merrill, a member of our community and a member of our new AI image team. Now, we have historical precedent for a voice like this. No less a man of evil than Adolf Hitler understood this relationship to voice. Hitler was a foreshadow of the Antichrist, after all. Here is what he wrote about the spoken word in the preface to his book, Mein Kampf. I know that fewer people are won over by the written word than the spoken word, and that every great movement on this earth owes its growth to the greatest speakers, not the greatest writers, end of quote. Hitler published those words a 100 years ago, this very year. Is that a coincidence, or is it a sign? Well, who knows, maybe. If you watch any of Hitler's speeches from the 1930s, the audience is always ecstatic, breathless, Lingering on every single syllable. They are, in fact, unknowingly worshiping the demonic power within that voice without realizing what it is that's drawing them to it. That satanic power is addictive to the listener, especially the weakest among us. It probably does something to brain chemistry, you know, similar to what some drugs do at a synaptic level, you know, of neurons. Adolf Hitler's voice is truly amazing, utterly convincing, even in German. Which, after listening to these speeches, I'm grateful that I do not speak well enough to figure it out. Because I don't want to know what he was saying. So the voice sets up the listener to receive a message that he might not normally accept and just reject. But when presented in this voice, they accept it. Think about it. I mean, think about his message, what it was, the wiping out of a whole people group, the start of World War II. Who in their right mind would normally accept such stuff? But through this mesmerizing, demonic voice, thought seeds were planted deeply in the minds of listeners, and the baser passions of hatred, revenge, power, authority, fear, and panic were all inflamed without any real, rational reasons other than that voice. And where did Hitler present his speeches? Why, from Satan's throne itself, not the original one that we talk about in the Bible, in Revelation, but from a copy that he had made of it. Satan's throne is mentioned in the book of Revelation, as we said, as a real physical altar in the city of Pergamum, Turkey. It was an altar to Zeus where sacrifices Unfortunately, even human sacrifices were done. In Revelation 2, 12-13, The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast my name, and you do not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you. The early church fathers indicated that Antipas was a bishop of Pergamum, and he was sacrificed upon that very altar. Now, that altar still exists today. It was unearthed in the 1800s and taken to Berlin, Germany, and it is housed in the Pergamum Museum. That's where Hitler saw it, and he decided that this was the perfect backdrop for his messages. Using the altar as a model, Hitler's architect, Speer created a colossal grandstand known as the Zeppelin Tribune. Most of Hitler's rallies were held at night. The grandstand was surrounded with like 150 searchlights, and the light columns extended like pillars for a mile into the sky, creating a mystical effect, the kind that Hitler wanted. This effect was known as the Cathedral of Light. Inside the rally grounds, thousands of Nazi party members marched in torchlight parades. From the altar's podium... Hitler mesmerized the crowd as they swore a holy oath to Germany and to him. Think about it. That's very Antichrist-like, isn't it? I'm sure you are aware of another famous orator who made a speech from a copy of Satan's throne. The USA President Barack Obama, on a trip to Germany, also visited the Pergamum Museum, also saw the Pergamum Altar, and also thought, this would be a perfect backdrop for his acceptance speech for the Democratic nomination for president back in 2008. As we said, he is another famous political order. Experts have analyzed his voice. Obama sounds like a man of authority for a couple reasons. Because his delivery is perfect, his voice is deep, and his diction is slow and measured. Now, slow, careful speech is a sign of command and authority as people have to kind of hang on to your every word to see what you're going to say. And also is his jutting out of his jaw while he speaks. Again, how he says things is probably more important in getting his message across and accepted than what he says. Now, this discussion of political leaders brings us back to the Antichrist. I can't help but wonder, if he will also use this Satan's throne as a backdrop for his speeches, there's just seems too much historical foreshadow of the use of this throne. And the fact it's mentioned in the Bible makes me think that even more. Now, many people believe the Antichrist will come from the region of Turkey. So it's not unreasonable to think that Germany will return the original altar there for the most evil man in history to use. But... That's just my speculation. So what isn't speculation is that a very evil man is going to come on the scene and he's going to be a talker. He's going to be an order. So watch for a man coming very soon with amazing powers of public speaking, the likes of which that no one has ever seen before. And unless you're abiding in Christ on a daily basis, this clue to his identity will be totally missed by you. Those who are deeply in Christ, however, will hear what he is saying and be able to separate it from how he is saying it. This is like a really important point. Everyone else will listen to the voice, not the words, and go right along with him. Notice when Jesus described himself to the church of Pergamum. He said the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. That is the word of God. Love of the truth and the word of God will divide the message of the Antichrist from his delivery for people like us who have the spirit like a two-edged sword. It will divide spirit from flesh. Those who will listen to the flesh only will be taken in by his exciting, excellent delivery. Those abiding in Christ will be appalled by what he was really saying and completely reject him. Let's look at what scripture says about the voice of the Antichrist, because we've been talking about it generally. Now let's get specific. And behold, in this horn, the little horn or Antichrist, were the eyes, like eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things, Daniel 7, 8. Some verses say he speaks pompous things, What are these great things or pompous things? In Daniel 7.11, it again repeats that the little horn speaks great words. His voice will be a new international voice, and he will likely begin his career with a series of powerful humanitarian speeches at the United Nations. That's my best guess. The speeches will likely concern great things, solving the struggles of the Middle East, solving climate change, solving pandemics, solving famines, and economic collapse. He'll promise that he will accomplish great things, but the world won't accomplish these great things without him. In Daniel seven twenty-four, we read, He shall speak words against the Most High. So some of these great words are blaspheming the true God and glorifying himself. That is something else true believers should listen for. This matches Revelation 13, 5-6, and the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. This is very similar to Daniel 7-24, glorifying himself with haughty words and blaspheming God. But here, we learn more particulars about what it is that he blasphemes. He downgrades God's holy name, his character, his goodness, the fact that he created the world, the fact that he died on a cross for his sins. All of that will likely be blasphemed, I'm sure. The Antichrist will also blaspheme those who reside in heaven. Of course, because the devil and his angels were just cast out of heaven at this point. So there's like saying, Ah! Well, if they're going to kick me out, I'm going to have some bad things to say about it. So who resides in heaven? Because that's a very important point. Well, God and Jesus. You know, Jesus, the Son of God and God the Father. The good angels and the dead saints. And frankly, this will surprise you, but you and I dwell in Christ. And in Ephesians 1, it tells us we are seated in those heavenly places. So living saints dwell in heaven and are blasphemed as well. In the book of Revelation, God looks at every human as either a heaven dweller or an earth dweller, the saved and the unsaved. He looks at them as already living in their final homes. So not only expect God the Father and Jesus to be blasphemed, but also saints from history like the apostles, maybe John, Peter, and especially Paul. And then also all the living saints. I assume he's going to blame us for all the world's problems, war, climate change, LGBTQ prejudice, pandemics, etc., and then use those things as a basis for our extermination. Hey, they caused these problems, he'll say, let's get rid of them. He will prove to have amazing powers of public persuasion through his spoken words and the miracles that he's going to perform. Such that nothing earthly is going to stop this movement. As most of you know, he's going to leverage this to sit in the temple of God and present himself as if he is God. In Daniel eleven thirty six, we see, and the king shall do as he will. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every God and shall speak astonishing things against the God of gods. So he magnifies himself and he tears down the true God. And his assistant and sidekick, false prophet, looks like a lamb, but speaks like a dragon or Satan. And his purpose is to get the earth dwellers, the unsaved, to worship the Antichrist. Most the Antichrist and false prophets show lying signs and wonders, as per Second 2 Thessalonians 2.10, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and thus be saved. So they will use trickery, fraud, and delusion to make themselves and sin more attractive. Only the truth and abiding in the truth will save us from this. When something is opposed to the word of God, you've just got to reject it, no matter how good or real it seems. In another video, we spoke about how when Satan is cast out of heaven, Right before the Antichrist is revealed, he may likely take the form of an extraterrestrial or an alien. One who will claim that he created mankind, not God. And right there and then, you'll know he's a liar because it goes against the word of God. The same will go for the Antichrist. If he says this unrighteous lifestyle is righteous... Right there, you will know that he's a liar and he is identified as being on the wrong side. You probably know recently that the Pope upheld this lifestyle. And right there, all of us should know what spirit this man is listening to. Now, he's still able to repent. He hasn't taken the mark of the beast yet, but you know who he's listening to right now And that tells you that A, you should be praying for him, but B, you shouldn't really be listening to him. And then, after the Antichrist receives his head wound, an image of the beast will be made. And guess what? It involves his voice again. The distinguishing characteristic of this image is that it's given pneuma, that's the Greek word, either breath or spirit, and is able to speak. The speech of the Antichrist, is super important, it's his weapon, and this is his means of deception and control. This man has not spoken yet, or I think we would already know about it in my opinion. And right on schedule, any moment now, perhaps as early as April of this year, he will appear on the world stage. There was never more chaos for him to enter into. No one knows for sure, and certainly I don't either, So keep your eyes and your ears open, friends. Stay close to the Lord and expect absolutely anything because it just might happen. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode.